KYW Original Podcasts. Charlotte Reese is here in the studio. She's a producer on In-Depth. So, Charlotte, you've been telling me about a few things that have happened that made you want to dig a little deeper into this. But really, you ended up digging a lot deeper into this. Oh, yeah, a lot. So, starting two years ago, there were sinkholes in Chester County opened up on a specific street, Lisa Drive. Then there was water contamination in Delaware County, the Darby Creek. And then there was water contamination in Edgemont Township in a child's bathtub. So these things, you know, they happen, contamination, sinkholes. But there's one thing that's in common with all of these things. All of these places are along the Mariner East Pipeline. So then what happened next, Charlotte? What did you do? I wanted to go out and meet people who were being affected by this. So I reached out to somebody who lives in Delaware County, Eric Friedman. He lives right next door to the Mariner East Pipeline. So I'm standing at the end of uh, Eric Street here. You can hear the noises. You could see basketball nets, bikes, clearly families' homes and backyards that are right up against where the construction is. Just explain kind of, you know, where we are versus where um, the construction is happening. The the noise that you hear right now is um, construction operation going on less than, less than 500 feet from where we're sitting. You could see it from his house. You could hear it. We sat in his dining room for over an hour with two of his other friends. And the entire time, it was this little rumbling that you can hear. This is KYW In-Depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. A lot of you, most of you, have heard about the Mariner East Pipeline, especially if you live in Chester and Delaware counties. We wanted to know what's it like to live right next door. Today, Charlotte Reese on what families near the pipeline are thinking and how they're dealing with it. Thanks for coming out today. Oh, you're welcome. I hope I can gather my thoughts in my head. Yeah, that's... Hi, George. Hey, Jenny. How you doing? Good, thanks. Uh, my name is Eric Friedman. I'm, I'm an officer of the Andover Homeowners Association, and I serve as the current president of our of our association, which is a Pennsylvania nonprofit corporation. My name is George Alexander. I'm currently retired uh, pipeline activist, I guess you could say, um, and I write a blog about the Mariner East Pipeline. And I'm Ginny Kerslake. I had a career in laboratory management. I'm a soil chemist. Now I am a small business owner and candidate for state office. Has this, the pipeline, has that inspired you? That has been a big driver in my decision to run for state office. Mm -hmm. You'll hear the following a lot throughout the podcast, so I might as well get it out of the way now. Energy Transfer, that's the company that merged with Sunoco. The Public Utility Commission, also known as PUC or the Commission, they deal with the regulations within the state. And then there's the Department of Environmental Protection or the DEP. And they will intervene when concerns are raised about the environment. And they have in the past, in the recent past. They also will take complaints from citizens. 
they responded to all of my questions via email only. Eric, George, and Ginny each got involved in the pipeline a little bit differently. Um, George has been an activist since the Vietnam War. And then when he retired, he wanted to dedicate himself to a new cause. He thought it was going to be solar. Which had been an area I was interested in for many years. But I learned about the pipeline. And the more I learned, the more unbelievable it seemed. Ginny got involved when she got a knock at her door in spring of 2015. It was a land agent telling her that they had an easement on her property and that they wanted her to sign. At the time, they told us they were going to be putting through some pipelines that um, would be just like all the other ones that we've been living with, um, that they had eminent domain and that we would have no choice to sign it. Um, it even if we didn't sign it, they would do the work anyway um, and they would take us to court. They also told us that construction would be two weeks tops. You won't see us, you won't hear us, you won't even know that we're, we're here. Um, we're pretty much held hostage now um, for three years, but that three years is almost up. They, they started construction two and a half years ago now. So Ginny got involved because of her personal property. Eric got involved when Energy Transfer said they wanted his community's designated open space. As far as communication goes, my homeowners association does not have any direct communication with Sunoco other than through through our council. Um, that is by Sunoco's choice. They never approached us with any offer for our property. They just simply took my homeowners association to court. And so at that point, it became um, a legal matter. We litigated over that up to and including the Pennsylvania Supreme Court because we believe that there was a violation of constitutional due process um, and also a violation of constitutional, the constitutional takings clause in, in the Fifth Amendment. Ultimately, we were unsuccessful, but we felt that that was really not what the framers intended when they wrote an eminent domain clause into the Constitution. There have been a number of court decisions about eminent domain with this pipeline system, and in all cases so far, basically, the courts have allowed Sunoco to proceed. A lot of people know what eminent domain is, but just for a literal definition, it's the right of a government or its agent to take private property for public use with payment or compensation. So for people who own land that energy transfer is trying to get through eminent domain, their argument is, one, energy transfer is a company. Two, how does taking my land to lay a pipeline down qualify as public use? And three, there has been reporting that shows some of the natural gas shipped through the pipeline isn't going to neighborhoods like Eric's. Some of it is going overseas. So I asked Energy Transfer this, and a spokesperson got back to me saying, quote, We are the transporter, not the owner of the product. Therefore, we do not determine the ultimate destinations. The spokesperson also specified that regional markets include Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, and they receive products from Marcus Hook in Delaware County. She also pointed out an energy center in Western PA in Johnstown. She says the plant receives enough natural gas liquids to generate enough electricity to power more than one million homes and businesses. The Mariner East pipeline was originally constructed in the 1930s for gasoline 
but it was going the opposite direction. Now, three natural gas liquids move from western Pennsylvania's Marcella Shell to the refinery Marcus Hook in Delaware County. From what Eric told me and through my research, the way energy transfer got eminent domain was by keeping up with the PUC and various certificates of public convenience. And these certificates are very simple documents. They're, they're basically one sheet of paper, and they say, you know, so-and-so is authorized to engage in the transportation of petroleum products in Delaware County, for example. So they're issued on a county-by-county basis without specifying a particular project. And so their argument, quite explicitly, is that they have, through, through buying this old pipeline, they have the authority to take any or all land in Delaware County any or all land in Chester County and Berks County and Lebanon County and York County. Even more, somewhat more fantastic argument to this is they say if people who are aggrieved, like the Andover Homeowners Association, were out of time because if we had a concern, we should have raised it in 1937 or, or whatever. Energy transfer also changed the pipeline from interstate to intrastate, meaning that the limits of the pipeline would be within Pennsylvania. Mix that with the 2013-14 propane shortage and energy transfer got its argument for public use. Environmental groups like the Delaware Riverkeepers Network, the Clean Air Council, couldn't stop Sunoco at this point. You know, they they don't want your entire property. They just want a piece of it for their industrial use, and they would like to pay you, I suppose, just for that piece and leave you with the degraded remainder that you worked hard to buy. So it would be quite a different conversation if, if... we'd ever been approached and, and they said we would like to buy every home in Andover for fair, fair market value. That would have been a different conversation. But they didn't want that. They just wanted our open space, you know, for their industrial use. Energy Transfer says they put $9.1 billion straight into Pennsylvania's economy and that they transfer hundreds of thousands of natural gas liquids a day, which Energy Transfer says takes hundreds of trucks off the road and creates, quote, the safest way to transport petroleum products. So we're talking ethane, butane, and propane, and they're highly combustible, um, and they're colorless, and they are heavier than air. And when they escape, they're not going to dissipate like methane would. Methane is lighter than air, so it would go upwards. These, uh, These vapors would stay close to the ground and, in fact, would go look for low places, which is, which is an additional concern. We have some, some schools in the area. There's a school in um, Euclid Township that sits at the top of a hill, and their standard evacuation plan in the event of various emergencies is to uh, go down into the schoolyard in an area that's actually downhill from there. And this is a school that's right across from a valve site. This idea that this might be the safest way to transport it is is highly arguable because of the, the, the volume. Now, what Eric says is that safety is not a quantifiable thing. Risk is quantifiable. I, I will tell you this, that my, my homeowner association maintains liability insurance coverage on our property. And we were informed by our insurance carrier that if these pipelines became operational, that it would cease to cover us. In other words, it wasn't going to increase our premium or add any exclusion. It wasn't interested in our business. And this, so a company in the risk assessment business, the risk assumption business, 
is not willing is not willing to assume this risk. We don't put these highways right through neighborhoods like we're sitting in right now. These trucks are not transporting through schoolyards. So this idea that it's the, the safest um, is not really true, this kind of quantity going through these populated areas. My commute to work took me along the pipeline route, and I quickly saw how much damage was being done to the environment along that route and how close the route was to uh, many vulnerable sites. For example, I drove right by the Wellington um, retirement community and uh, and I saw how uh, it would, impossible it would be to evacuate the people with limited mobility there, and yet the pipeline is you know 50 feet from the front door. Uh, same thing with Granite Farms Estates down here uh, in Delaware County. It it runs right by the place. Uh, it would be impossible to evacuate in the event of a problem. And let me, um, just to that, the pipeline, um, it sent me a couple paragraphs about what the safety plan is. Does this mean anything to you guys that they said um, a facility response plan was, um, you know, communicated to the communities as well as a public awareness program? Does that mean anything? They will often talk about their public awareness plan. Um, but we know that the majority of people who who should be aware of, of what to do, if there really is anything they can do, um, it, it, the majority don't know. They, they don't know what's going through these pipes. They don't know what they should do or shouldn't do, how it should be different than, uh, than with these other pipelines that we're used to. Um, and then this idea that they've, you know they've given a facility plan we we hear from schools and uh and townships that they don't have a credible plan um they they continually look to sunoco for more information and more help in that regard and sunoco says well it's your responsibility and it is their responsibility but especially in smaller municipalities it's volunteers um it, to, to, to build a plan like this. This, this is um, what I'm showing you. This is, this is the latest version of their public awareness program, what they call the public awareness program. This is it. Um, it's about... Just as, it's just a little pamphlet, right? Couple, yeah. A couple it, pages. It's about, it's about eight pages. Most of it is, is marketing material. The only relevant part relative to any instruction for the public is, is this block right here. Yep, this looks like kind of what they sent me. This, this is it. This is the full extent of their guidance to the public. It says, what should I do if I suspect a leak? Leave the area immediately on foot. And that's it. And that's it. And frankly, um, there is no better instruction to be had. But it's so important, you might as well tell people, you know, flap your arms and fly to the moon. So Delaware County in 2018 took matters into their own hands and uh, they hired G2 Integrated Solutions to make a risk assessment. The report determined that a blast zone would be a little more than a mile. Just to put that in context, every residence in my neighborhood is within 800 feet of, of the pipeline or the valve site or both. Energy Transfer has not confirmed this uh, proposed blast zone. And the PUC says that's part of their ongoing litigation. Now, on the other side, Delaware County's risk assessment, which Energy Transfer pointed out, 
also says people who live near the pipeline have a higher chance of getting injured in a car accident than by the pipeline. Energy Transfer says they monitor the pipeline 24-7, 365 days a year. The way they do it is by a computer system that monitors the pressure in the pipes at all times. That would work if the pressure in the, in the pipes were pretty constant and you could detect changes. But um, in fact, there are constant changes in the pipes and most of them represent normal operating activities. So their problem is to figure out what's an accident and what's normal operations. And because uh, any change in pressure less than about 10% is likely to be uh, just normal operation changes, they don't pay attention to those. But in fact, most uh, of the smaller leaks, anything short of a total rupture, will be uh, pressure change on that order. So they're not going to detect it. Eric, George, and Ginny tell me that most of the issues with the pipeline have been reported by citizens, not energy transfer. Just just down the road from here, Edgemont Township has been the victim of three Sunoco accidents recently. None of those three were detected by Sunoco. One of them was reported by Sunoco as almost 40,000 gallons. In June of 2018, one of their pipelines failed, ruptured into Darby Creek. That accident was reported by a train crew that noticed the material in the, in, the, in the river. So what we know for sure about their leak detection systems is they don't work. Then there's the legal concern surrounding the pipeline. This just in to KYW News Radio. The FBI is investigating how Pennsylvania approved the Mariner East pipeline. According Governor to the Associated Press, the FBI is investigating the pipeline and how the process got stalled and then started up again with little interruption. Um, on top of that, a couple Chester County constables are facing charges. The Chester County DA's office has filed additional charges. Two Pennsylvania constables have been arrested for working private security on the Mariner East pipelines and are charged with official oppression, bribery, and ethics law violations. A reporter videoed an exchange with a man wearing a polo shirt with a state seal on it, showed the reporter his constable badge, and told him if he stepped off the street, he'd be arrested. Gaza says the constables could have worked private security, but they're not allowed to wear their uniform badges or guns or claim authority they don't have. The company behind the pipeline says the men were not employees of Sunoco or Energy Transfer, but instead were hired by a security company, and they say they have a code of conduct they expect their contractor and employees to to follow at the Suburban Bureau, Jim Melwart, KYW News Radio. Energy transfer has been fined tens of millions of dollars so far by the DEP for issues related to the Mariner East pipeline system. Things like water contamination. For the counties that surround the pipeline, Eric says the economic consequences aren't known yet. Delaware County is is right now in the middle of a property reappraisal. They're they're reappraising every property in the county. And I could see properties near the pipeline could, could be appraised at lower values because of the way that they've been selling or, or not selling. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's part of my concern is that this, this economic consequences really have never been properly evaluated and, and, um, uh, and quantified, and they need to be. Is there anything else? I know we've talked a lot. I feel like we could talk for another hour. <laughs> um, is there anything else just that you guys want me to know, something that's very important to um, that you guys want people to know? So, so, I mean, I'll just say this, and I, you know, I don't care if it can be recorded or not, but, you know, I, I said right at the top about, 
you know, my sort of dislike or discomfort with the term activist. I mean, to me, that that imputes or implies somebody who goes out and looks for, you know, a fight or some social cause or something. I mean, in this case, you know, I'm a I'm a homeowner. homeowner. I worked my entire life to buy this house that we're in. Um, I'm, I'm a member of our synagogue. I coach Little League. Um, I'm, I'm a volunteer uh, for our association. I'm all of those things. And I was sitting here, you know, perfectly content to live my life in peaceful obscurity until one day Sunoco showed up and, and really assaulted all of the sort of most basic values that I have. And so that's why, I, like, I'm not an activist. I didn't go out looking for a fight. I was sitting here minding my own business, mm-hmm. frankly. Yes, Sunoco has put a ton of money into the ground. And they should know, should have known from the start, should know now that they might lose all that money if this pipeline is shut down. That's part of the risk they take in in doing this. We Pennsylvanians rely on our state government and our state agencies to protect us, to protect our rights, to protect our the environment, to protect public safety. And what we have found is that that whole system is is failing us and it's it's failing us by certain individuals it's failing us by design this isn't just about mariner east this is about adelphia pipeline this is about future pipelines chester county and delaware county lie between the marcellus shale and the port you know they they want to make this a petrochemicals hub and we we lie right in the middle of it we are working hard not just to protect our communities and our our personal property rights but also other communities and other individuals that very potentially could face the same thing that we are KYW In-Depth is produced by Charlotte Reese. Our production coordinator is Ali Amato. Tom Rickard is the executive producer of KYW Original Podcasts. I'm Carol McKenzie. Make sure to subscribe to KYW In-Depth and help us get the word out by leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again next week.